I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Dallas Cowboys fans, are you ready? Are you ready to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Are you ready to hear what I, the Bear of Texas, has to say regarding the Dallas Cowboys? Well then, grab a beer, have a seat, and buckle up. Because this ride will start out slow, but I guarantee you it will intensify by the second. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. As usual, I am the host, the Bear of Texas, and it's once again my honor and privilege to welcome back Wiley, aka the Venomous Stare, my good friend and former UNT colleague. What's going on, Wiley? Well, Alex, it's great to be back. We had an exceptionally exciting, tumultuous game against the Giants. And last week I came on the show and talked up how it was must win. The Cowboys were facing their old nemesis and Jason Garrett. And what happened? They narrowly escaped with a victory. But this is one of those games where if you just look at the box score or the final score, it doesn't really tell the full story. There were an exceptional amount of exciting plays in this game. And I'm excited to dive in and dissect it with you, buddy, because I know you're not only a talented journalist, but a lifelong Cowboys fan. Actually, you were you were here this week. Remember, you did the preview, dude. <laughs> so even though it might feel like you were here last week, technically you were here this week. That's but... what I mean. Like the I was here to review last week, meaning last episode, well, not like week four versus week five in the NFL. Well, regardless, last week's episode got a significant amount of views. So just as I predicted, everybody was happy to hear you once again. So it's an honor to have you back. So let's get right into it. The Cowboys playing the Giants in Arlington. It's never going to be pretty. I mean, has it really been ever been very pretty coming in? Not really. Always a nail-biter. And that's what this game was. Well, that's right, Alex. It was actually a very exciting game because we saw the Cowboys struggle initially. And we're, I want to, since we're strictly looking at this game and not really worried so much about next week, I just want to get your initial thoughts on the first quarter specifically because it looked like the Cowboys were off to a rough start and they might choke the game away. The first quarter was probably the worst. Well, the first quarter was definitely a waste of possession because when you have a talented offense like the Cowboys do, selling for three points after driving down the field, that's not cool. Because I'm looking at the drive right now. Prescott made a great pass to CeeDee Lamb for 18 yards, and the New York Giants defense was guilty of roughing the passer, so that's an additional 15. So when you have an advantage like that, you got to take full advantage of it. Okay. And then there was a dump penalty when it was uh, second and goal. An illegal shift by the Cowboys offense just resulted in a third down. And then rather than, you know, trying to run the ball, you know, third goal and six, they tried to pass it. I mean, I guess... 
passing or running. I mean, running might not have worked, but the, the bottom line is because of one silly penalty, the drive did not end the way it should. I mean, we got points, but a touchdown should have happened. It really set the tone for the game. That was my main takeaway from the drive is, if you remember last week in the preview episode, I spoke about how the Cowboys would focus more on the run, how the myopic focus from the offensive coordinator on the spread offense was foolish and didn't fit the strengths of the team. And I said that on the opening drive, we would see more ground and pound, and Zeke would punch it in. I was right on the precipice of being right until foolish penalties hamstrung the drive. And whenever I think about the Cowboys' win conditions and whenever the Cowboys are doing well and firing on all cylinders, I think about them getting the ball first and marching down the field in a methodical drive with lots of running from power formations that shaves over six minutes of clock. And if that drive doesn't end with the touchdown, then it's a failure and doesn't really serve the same purpose of setting the tempo if you have to settle for a field goal. So that was the big takeaway for me is Cowboys are coming off of a poor performance, an embarrassing performance. They were on the cusp of punching it in and really setting the tempo for the game. They were running it more. I was right about that. But they ended up frittering that drive away. And this was a game fraught with mistakes and high-impact plays. So we can continue to dissect it chronologically. Yes, but New York meant business. Because coming into this game, they had not had an opening drive touchdown all season up until today because the New York Giants wasted no time Drove down the field, took a seven to three lead, hmm. on a freaking uh, and that that scoring play. You know, Evan Ingram. If if I remember correctly, it was a reverse sweep play. Yeah, they got a little tricky. They broke out the razzle dazzle, and with Saquon Barkley out of the offense and Daniel Jones being mediocre and on his absolute best day, the Giants had to rely on gimmicks to find the end zone for the first time. And against the Cowboys defense, that's a total joke. That's not a good sign. Even though the Giants put up quite a few points by the end of the game, it didn't really look as though they were eviscerating the Cowboys' defense. You had points from their defense. You had the Cowboys' offense underperforming. Mistakes, big plays. But in general, Daniel Jones looked lost. He still looks like a guy that's overwhelmed. He still looks like a guy that needs to be playing in Duke his senior year. And even though the Cowboys have just terrible, terrible defense, they're able to pressure him. Now, this doesn't actually sound, it's, this isn't actually as much of a win as it sounds like because the Cowboys are absolutely terrible on defense and Daniel Jones has no pocket awareness. So the fact that Daniel Jones wasn't sacked more than he was was an indictment of how bad the defense was. And frequently the pocket did break down and it was so obvious even Jones was able to escape, which Jones is the most clueless quarterback in the league when it comes to pocket pressure and timings and stuff like that so the defense was pretty disappointing even though they did have that touchdown okay see the fact that what you just brought up the fact that daniel jones was under pressure so many times and he was able to escape so many times it makes me sick absolutely sick all right and not only that i mean several times the cowboys defensive players had their hands on him he breaks free. Okay, and several times he turns that into a huge play. And I said this on the preview. It would take at least six sacks to beat him or to have a chance. Okay, The Cowboys 
could have had at least six sacks. I mean, and honestly, from the way it looks of it, they could have had eight, okay? And they only got two. And Daniel Jones finished this game, 20 completions, 222 yards, sacked only twice, averaged close to seven yards per play. I feared, I feared that would happen, Wiley, because of well, how he, terrible the defense is. I feared that even Daniel Jones would be capable of, of burning that defense to the ground. Well, we were both sort of thinking that it was going to be a slugfest. The Cowboys would win, but the Giants would actually get points. If you look at the Giants' season, they've put up nothing for points. They haven't gotten above teen. No, like They haven't gotten above teen number of points for the first four games, and they light up the Cowboys... And Daniel Jones didn't even really look good, but his numbers were decent. And you've really got to think about this game in terms of if the Giants had Saquon Barkley back, they win easily. Because already as it stands, if not for a foolish, unforced pre-snap error on that fake field goal play, they would have won. Look at the point difference of the final score. That was one of the most exciting and interesting plays. You look at Jason Garrett's tenure in Dallas, he was always criticized as a guy that was too conservative. So for him to go for these trick plays with the opening few drives and the creativity and then go for the fake, which the Cowboys had their head completely lodged into their anus and had no idea that was coming. And the error was completely unforced. It's not like the guy that held was the reason the receiver got open. They just moved with a snap. And that's bad coaching for you, even though Jason Garrett might have nutted up finally and ran a couple trick plays that still proves that He's not a good coach because, I guess, between him and Joke Judge and the special teams, they bungled that one together because a lot of people might say, oh, uh, illegal uh, motion, that's a ticky-tack penalty. If you look at the replay, it doesn't matter what they call it. Three guys false started. Three guys had severe movement. They would get called a false start on any uh, down one, two, or three play. And just because it was a field goal doesn't mean that false start doesn't exist. But yeah, three guys jumped. So it was a completely legitimate penalty and a sign of nerves and bad coaching. But you also have to consider that there was no home crowd. And whenever you think about false starts, or there wasn't a significant home crowd, you know, a highly limited home crowd. So the fact that they jumped was a sign of bad coaching. So you can still sort of point back to Jason Garrett to some extent. I think on that certain play, that trick play, I think... You're, you're right, three guys did move, but I think the penalty that was called, even though it's, it might not be relevant, I don't think it was an illegal uh, shift on that one. I, I think it was because one of the offensive line was not in place. Um. Oh, legal formation. Yeah, yeah legal formation. I mean, you were close. There were so many penalties yeah. on that play. It doesn't matter the specifics of what the ref called. Yeah. The point is, as people point to that, is a big swing moment in the game, and it was, but... You know, like if three people commit a penalty, it doesn't matter what the refs call. If pe- if there's so many penalties committed, and that's a big reason why the play gets off, consider that if three people false start, the safety might be thinking like, oh, the whistle's going to come any second and might not be paying attention for a fake. So if you're a Giants fan, you can't point to that and say you got hosed because that the, the penalty there was completely justified. It was, and the Cowboys are lucky because... If the Giants had scored, it would have been twenty four seventeen going into that uh, going into the half, and the Cowboys, excuse me, the Giants got the ball had gotten the ball to start the second half, but that field goal was so fortunate, okay, because you know after that field goal, you know there was still fifty one seconds left, and the Cowboys in six plays seventy five yards, Wiley, 
you know, in 35 seconds, they made it 24-20. And that's, <laughs> that was a drive that ended in one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen in Cowboys history, at least in my time as a Cowboys fan. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, tell our audience, because they might not. Well, you might recognize that play from a certain Super Bowl when a team that both Wiley and I do not like very much. I mean, honestly, to be since we're all about telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, we'll lay it to you like this. Wiley and I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was play the I'm talking special. about. A little yes. bit of a, a <laughs> little bit of a reverse razzle-dazzle pass back to the quarterback, and Dak reeled it in. Dak reeled it in. If I saw the play correctly... Zeke, you know, ran a sweep, and then Dak ran like a receiver, and then Cedric Wilson, and then Zeke, you know, tossed it to Wilson, and then Wilson got in place, threw the ball. Absolute magic. I mean, I, I loved it. I really loved the play. And I kid you not, folks, I mean, this is going to sound silly. My cat was watching the game, and he purred after seeing that play. I'm not, I'm not I kid you not. I, apparently, casting over the cat, you know, like I always say, he, part of him lives in me, part of, you know, me lives in him. He's a Cowboys fan, too, and he watched that game, and he loved it. Even apparently, even a cat liked the, what he saw. Well, it was nice to see some razzle dazzle from the Cowboys' offense. Usually, especially in the Jason Garrett era, you think of the Cowboys' offenses being very uninspired and uncreative, not really doing anything tricky. And on trick plays like the Philly Special or a Flea Flicker, a lot of times either it doesn't work or the guy is open by a mile. And it was sort of interesting to see that. Dak actually had to fight for the ball, and even though he was open, he wasn't open by a mile. And this game was just so tumultuous, such a back and forth. So the Cowboys were getting skunked at the beginning of the first quarter, but then they made it palatable. Tell us what happened from the second quarter into halftime, Alex. Well, before I get into that, I should mention that in the first quarter, we were down 14-3 because Dak threw a pick six. You know, I kind of, you know, that's when you know, I really got sick to my stomach. But in that certain play, Wiley, what led to that touchdown, to that magic touchdown, I really need to point out to the fans that CeeDee Lamb played a huge role in helping the Cowboys get there because he went deep, you know, had one catch for 26 yards, and then I had another one for about, let's see, if I'm looking at it correctly, there's another one for 21 yards, but... What really helped in that second play is that the Giants once again got called for unnecessary roughness. You know, was it um, unnecessary roughness? That that's right because that was the catch where Ceedee Lamb made and he got hit in the head. Do you remember that? Hammered. Play? Yeah. Hammered by the safety and he held on. And honestly, I gotta I gotta ask Ceedee Lamb, how the hell do you do that? Because if it was me, I probably would have been knocked out cold. Well, as soon as he caught the ball over the middle, he got helmet to helmet hit right as he turned around. And the NFL, that's one of the main things that they're trying to get rid of in the game is receivers who are coming over the middle as soon as they catch the ball just getting smashed right in the face. So C.D. Lamb held on to the ball and got the penalty. And in the same way that the penalty helped that drive, the foolish penalty at the end really hindered the drive. So whenever you consider the Cowboy game overall, Really, it looked like they were in their old form, in their prime. They were firing on all cylinders. And that penalty that screwed the drive into being seven points gone into three points really set the tone for the game of there being a lot of mistakes and it being a very costly victory. Yeah, but then again, we should remember, while it's only the opening drive, there's still plenty of time to go. But as you mentioned, it was full of mistakes. But now we get to halftime. 
Now, as I mentioned, folks, we were lucky on that on that fake play that you know that the referees caught that penalty because you know if we were up by 24-17, I don't think that magical play would have happened. But anyway, so now we get to half number two. Okay, Giants get the ball, couple of incompletions. I mean, then you know Daniel Jones had that twelve yard uh, pass to Slayton, and we got to give credit to Slayton. I mean, Slayton actually had a great night. Had, uh, I think, six catches for about 112 yards. I know he's definitely in that range. But there was a... The, uh, the, here's another mistake. Like, you know, since we're speaking of mistakes, Wiley, here's one right here. It was third and five of the New York Giants 44. Daniel Jones had an incomplete pass, but Jordan Lewis was caught for defensive holding. I mean, another stupid mistake. And Terrible. What, what rubs salt to the wound, Wiley, what adds insult to injury is that it's on a third down. When the Cowboys defense makes those mistakes, they potentially it's a stop, and then there's a penalty, and it's on a third down play. That's fucking heartbreaking, man. Well, whenever you can stop a team on third down, it can frequently lead to turning points. And when you take stupid, non-competitive penalties to give third down conversions to the other team, it's equally as costly. And frequently we see the Cowboys secondary not only be non-competitive, but show a lack of effort, especially in their weak tackling, Alex. Mm-hmm. Now, that play, now, since we talked about a, a fake touchdown being uh, nullified because the New York Giants, unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately for the Cowboys, but unfortunate for the Giants, D- uh, Daniel Jones d- passed deep right to uh, D. Slayton for 31 yards for a touchdown, nullified because the Giants, the dude, uh, dude named Ratley, was called for offensive pass interference. I saw that play. I saw the replay. Um, I was confused. Okay, is that offensive passing? It looked more like it was illegal contact because he like put his hands on him and then it kind of slowed him down. I mean, I felt like maybe that was a, some sort of holding. But, I mean, I guess it's irrelevant. The, the bottom line is the New York Giants were guilty of a penalty and that erased the touchdown. But, you know, that's another lucky break. So, but it doesn't end there. So, it's now 3rd and 16 and... The, Cow- the Cowboys managed to get a stop, and this time, no penalties, and I was like, thank God. But, you know what? No. No, 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 no. I'm going to take that back, Wiley, and, and, and here's why. The next play, the Giants punt it. But there's another stupid flag for too many men on the field. So Unforced what- error. Terrible. Yeah. Bad coaching. That allowed the Giants to go into field goal range, and it allowed um, Graham Gano to make a, a 54-yard uh field goal. And speaking of Gano, he's actually the first New York Giants kicker to have uh, three uh, 50-yard-plus uh, field goals in a game. He was absolutely drilling them from deep. He could have hit some of those from 60. There was one play in the game where the Giants punted. This is what we were referring to. And essentially, after that happened, after that stupid too many men on the field penalty, it put them in field goal range. And Gano drilled it. And I remember saying after he drilled it, shoot, they should have just tried to kick it from 59. He could have nailed it from there. He was on fire. I mean, some, some dudes, you know, have the best kicking legs in the world. I mean, Greg Zerline's one of them. Zerline, even though he did perform well, looked much more shaky. That final play was just nail-biting. Well, you know, he went 3-for-3, three three, so I, I guess we can, so we can definitely say that, that it's respectable. Now, unfortunately, the next now the next touchdown drive, we did get seven points, but unfortunately, something terrible happened. Tell him. Dak Prescott, 
scrambling to get a first down, which I believe he did get tackled by a, a Logan Ryan, a Giants linebacker. At first, I thought it was just a cramp because he was clutching uh, his calf. But then I saw the replay. In slow motion, I saw Dak's foot. Ugh. You know, I, I should have seen it at the beginning because when I see the replays now after the game, his ankle was turned right before the replay. I, I don't know how, how I didn't see it. I, I guess because it happened so fast. Well, this is, this is one of those injuries where a player is running laterally and someone jumps from behind them and obviously while tackling them jumps on them and then like slides basically like tries to kick their legs out from under them or fall upon them with the tackle and the leg is just caught under the body of the other player and breaks and whenever this play ended the camera panned to Dak Prescott who was pointing down towards the heel pointed it like the wrong direction and everyone knew immediately how bad it was. This was one of those plays where you see the replay once and you immediately know. It's not quite on the level of like a Joe Theismann or an Alex Smith, but it's the same sort of deal where the uh, the incongruity of the uh, anatomy is very obvious and sickening. I mean, the whole stadium went quiet. I mean, we saw the reaction from Michael Gallup. Had both hands on his on his head, like he was the the dude was scared. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, all all these people were praying. You know, Mike McCarthy, John on the field. I mean, dude, okay, I gotta point this out. Jason Garrett also did it. I mean, okay, F- you folks, you guys know that Wiley and I, we are not fans of Jason Garrett. Well, it's not like Garrett wants him to get hurt. No, like no, no one thinks that. But we have to praise Garrett. That even though he's on the enemy side now, he went in and checked on Dak Prescott. I mean, I know we don't like him, but we have to. But, but that was it was great for him to do. I mean, but you know, it's just. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to get that thing out of my head. But here's what I should point out: ten years ago on Monday Night Football against the New York Giants, Tony Romo suffered a season-ending collarbone injury after he got hit by a uh, Michael Boley. So it's just ironic. Ten years later. Uh, 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 you know, Romo's uh, heir suffers a, a brutal season-ending injury, like, ironically, against the Giants. Well, whenever Romo was commentating the game, it almost felt as though he was ready to suit up and put his pads on. That's the sort of vibe that I got. Yeah, I saw that. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, Romo's reaction, dude. I mean, the way he, ugh. I mean, the, the whole thing was horrible. It happened so quick. But the reaction, I mean... You saw that fan. That fan, you know, said to number four, and I mean, Prescott was, you know, crying. I mean, the, the whole thing was chaotic. It was chaotic, man. Well, rarely do you see injury situations like that where yeah. everyone pours onto the field. Obviously, you see injuries where they have to bring the stretch route, but to see that sort of uh, unity and fanfare was abnormal. It, it it was a bl- it was a blessing thing to see, and then you know, the next thing I see is. Uh, Andy Dalton's getting saddled up, and... Red Rocket, getting ready. Yep, getting ready, and then Prescott is carted off the field. Fortunately, first play, uh, Dalton got sacked. That was a bad start. It was a bad start, but, you know, after that, he connects with C.D. Lamb on 36 for 11 yards. Then Zeke Elliott runs for 12 yards, pounces it in, 
And instead of doing his uh, feed me celebration, pull out his hand did number four. So that was for Dak. And that's where the game really changed. Now, uh, I will mention this. Uh, I got this right before we started. Uh, there was a notification that uh, Dak did in, did in fact underwent surgery tonight. Uh, just about an hour ago, there was a report that says that the surgery apparently went very well. I, I'm guessing we're going to get some updates tomorrow within the, the next few days. But Prescott, well, I'll give you an update right now. He's out for the season. Well, he's so. obviously out for the season, but we're talking about like you know, if surgery went well. But I know it's, that, yeah. It's not like the surgery in 2020. It's not like players in, have sports surgeries that like don't go well. Like They might not be the same. They might not have the same explosiveness. It's just the nature of injuries, but it's not like the surgeon walks away like, yeah, I really F that one up. Like, it's not really something that happens in our country, so. Uh, well, still, when somebody has to have surgery, it's definitely a scary thing. Certainly, we're happy that it went well, but, yes. you know, it's, that's expected news, I guess, yes. is the point I'm making. And honestly, I mean, you and I, we've, we've, had, our, we've had more than our fair share of, of uh, criticizing Dak, but Dak, our prayers are with you. Get well soon, buddy. I'm even even the biggest stack cynic and critic. I don't think wanted to see him go down with an injury. I mean, no. I mean, the way the injury was, the way his foot was, it was scary. But, but now let's go ahead and move on. So Cowboys are up thirty-one twenty-three. Now the next Giants uh, drive. Finally, the Cowboys defense finally did something because the Giants on three plays in two minutes, total of negative six yards. And you know what? We forgot something very important earlier. That fumble touchdown. Demarcus Lawrence sacked and stripped on Daniel Jones. And who picks it up? Anthony Brown runs it in for a touchdown. <laughs> I can't believe that. We, I can't believe I forgot that. Just until well, now. Well, last week we said that one of the focuses of the game would be pressuring Jones. And I spoke at length about how Jones had no pocket awareness and loved to turn the ball over, especially with the fumble. So... So this is the Cowboys not only get the fumble, but execute off of it, not rely on the offense to punch it in. Yeah, so. But it was, it was just it was just great to see a strip sack and then a fumble and then the Cowboys returned it for a touchdown. It was it was great. I mean, you know, you know, I would tell the Giants now we're even. I mean, they had the pick six. Now we have a fumble for, for a six, so. Right, it was tit for tat. That's true. Yeah, so, you know, Cowboys finally, you know, got a turnover and turned into some points because you don't see that very often from the Cowboys. But after that, you know, Cowboys went three and out. You know, Andy Dalton, you know, had a short pass to Umari Cooper but couldn't complete on the third and two. Giants drove down the field to make it 31-26. Now this drive, now I thought this, I thought this was going to kill us. I, th- I thought this was the, the, the turnover that really ended the game for Dallas because on a, on a mishandle, Andy Dalton fumbled the ball. And the Giants recovered at the Dallas 17. That penalty was just such a clown show. Just an awful, unforced error. Dalton basically just, not even, you can't even call it fumbling the snap, really, because he just butterfingered it. It wasn't even like a true snap fumble. Because when a guy fumbles the snap, he like immediately dives on it. Dalton had come out of his crouch, taken a couple steps, and just dropped it. And this really... Got a lot of people thinking, like a lot of knee-jerk Cowboy fans, like, God, we are so screwed. Dak is hurt, and this is what we're left with. A lot of Cowboy fans really feeling down at that time, and that feeling would be changed with Dalton's two-minute drill at the end of the game. I mean, I need to ask, is it possible that there might have been a a miscommunication between Dalton and the center, uh, Tyler uh, 
Biotis, no. or however his name is pronounced? No, Dalton just screwed the pooch. Okay. Like, you could say yes if it happened right under center, but it didn't. He had okay. already, like, come out of his crouch and taken a step, so no, he just goofballed and dropped the ball. Okay. Well, now the Giants decided to turn that into points, which they did. They go for two, and what's embarrassing on this one, Wiley, is that it was an offensive line that <laughs> caught the two-point conversion. Is, is that, that was is awesome. That, is, that how, how, is that how horrible our fucking defense is? Well, it was one of those typical plays where a guy is just left alone due to play design, and the offensive coordinator sort of gets credit. You know, even though we vilified Jason Garrett and he deserved it, he actually had a, some few aces up his sleeve that he displayed. And that little play he did to the lineman was one of my favorite. Part of me wonders how much credit Joe Judge gets and how much of it's Garrett. And even if Garrett is calling the plays, how much of it is Joe Judge saying, like, between games, like, all right, Jason, you're going to have to be more creative. Like, this draw, draw, draw strategy is not going to cut it anymore. And I sort of muse that Jason Garrett got glasses after he never had them with the Cowboys. (laughs) Maybe he can finally see plays on his play sheet that isn't a draw. Or a screen. So when it, I, I think J- Jason Garrett actually like coached pretty well. And as I said before, I think if they have Saquon, they win, which is like really scary if you're a Cowboys fan. And but with or without Dak, the Cowboys really don't deserve to be in the playoffs. The Eagles are so terrible, they'll probably make the playoffs anyway. And I actually think that Andy Dalton is serviceable enough to take the Cowboys to like a 9-7 and seven season. Which, in this joke of a division, you can bet your ass is going to be good enough. Okay, and we'll get to Andy Dalton once we're done uh, going uh, through this part because now we get to now we're like we're down thirty four thirty one, and there's you know if I remember correctly there was probably, there was only like there was actually plenty of time there was about eight minutes left of the game, and the Cowboys did something you know usually it scares me but it, since it worked you know there's nothing to worry about. The Cowboys, you know, 11 plays, 53 yards. They took 6 minutes and 50 seconds off the, the clock. And the reason why I say it's scary is because if you take that much time and nothing, you're wasting the, if you're behind, you're wasting all that time, then what's the point? But since they only needed 3 points and they were able to tie, but on the first play, you know, once again, the Giants, you know, face mask, you know, to give us, you know, an additional 15 yards. At, well, I shouldn't say additional because Zeke Elliott was tackled for no gain. Well, there was still 15 more yards than the Cowboys deserved. And any time the Giants were at threat of really pulling away and making this game a real embarrassing one like the Brown game, we saw the Giants would continuously shoot themselves in the foot. The most obvious error, of course, being giving back those seven points on the fake field goal, which cost them the game. And as this game went on, Andy Dalton got better. He was definitely, like, didn't expect to play out of rhythm. Dak Prescott's never been injured. If Really, Dak Prescott's biggest asset is, is his durability, which, considering he was Mr. Holdout for the highest money, being paid as a top-tier guy wasn't good enough. He had to be absolute number one and pretty much just lock the Cowboys into years of never being able to field an appropriate team because him and Zeke were so much of the cap. It kind of blew up in his face. If Dak had just like been humble and taken like twenty-eight million over four years, the Cowboys weren't trying to stiff him. They weren't really being frugal, and he could have easily taken the money. And now he has to go into a contract year off of his first severe injury. 
I'm not going to get too deep into the details because, you know, that's really been getting a lot of heat on social media because a lot of people are saying that Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, they failed Dak, but I don't want to get deep into that, but... but They failed Dak? Yeah, but... but, The Joneses offered Dak a lucrative contract and he declined because he wanted to be paid as the number one guy in the league. More than Rodgers. More than any other heralded guy, Brady, Ryan, all these Super Bowl winners. And that's why Dak didn't have the long-term deal. It's not any fault of the Joneses. Dak elected to basically hold out. He got tagged and he took the risk. And he was under a new coach, and he had all the weapons in the world. Great line, Zeke Elliott, three great receivers. Worst division in the league. Could have easily taken the Cowboys to the playoffs. Won a game against a bad team with home field advantage. And gotten his payday. Cowboys would have given it to him because they're idiots. But it didn't work out. But you can't blame the Joneses for that. You're right. I mean, as far as Dak holding out, I mean, I know there was a rumor that he would, but I don't think he officially did, but it doesn't matter. Well, he did. He he did. He held out for more money until they franchise tagged him. They couldn't come to an agreement, so they franchise tagged him. That's what happened. It wasn't a holdout in the sense that, like, he refused to play, but he refused to cooperate in terms of, Dak will pay you top five quarterback money even though you've never won a significant playoff game. Oh, no, I'm too good for that. I throw at people's feet and behind people, don't you understand? And it didn't work out. That's like why the franchise tag is a benefit for teams in the NFL because players who want this huge mega deal, teams can say, look, we're going to tag you, and if you can prove it again, we'll pay you. And Dak, unfortunately, got hurt when he's considered a very tough player and a guy who never really misses games. And it's going to cost him a lot of money. It's very, very unfortunate. But now, Wiley, before the game-tying field goal, two things went horribly wrong. First and ten, Amari Cooper, they try a sweep reverse play with Amari Cooper that ends up being negative two yards. And then another horrible play, Andy Dalton passed short left Tony Pollard for a negative seven yards. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? You remember? Yeah, Tony Pollard is just an absolute anchor to this offense and not in a good way like oh he holds him down like a homie he's like a human anchor like he does nothing right tony pollard is just a wretched player with little upside of course he's a guy who has butterfingers and when you look at an offense led by zeke elliott in the backfield tony pollard should be seeing next to no looks and when he does see looks he should be run blocking so tony pollard was just awful and Amari Cooper really couldn't get going this game and was highly limited through most of the affair. It's very unfortunate. You know, part of me, you know, that play with Tony Pollard, I don't know if the play was messed up or Pollard did run the right route and Dalton might have just made the mistake of throwing it to him, but but so what? It, it, it doesn't matter because on the next play, Andy Dalton was able to connect with CeeDee Lamb for 10 yards to, uh, you know, get him closer. And then with a, right after the two-minute warning... Greg Zerline, 40-yard field goal, ties the game. And then next drive, the Cowboys defense, you know, you know I, I think they finally, they're finally, I don't maybe they finally got the message. They were hearing everybody criticizing because they made a crucial stop, okay, In, you know, forcing these incompletions. I mean, although uh, D. Slayton, it's kind of silly, I don't even remember this dude's first name, but anyway, has a, another 14-yard uh, catch. 
But then Daniel Jones passes a to, for for then it's a loss of a of one yard, and then they decide you know another short screen pass you know for only two yards. It's third and nine, and then they force an incompletion and again no penalties, and they force the Giants to punt. It's a forty-nine yard punt. Dallas has to start at the twelve yard line. That was a huge drive to be able to stop the Giants that quickly. Yes. Okay. But you have to admit, were you impressed with how how that they were able to do it? No, the Giants are an inept garbage offense, and really the Cowboys gave away sack after sack. Jones is an inept guy who doesn't have any idea when the pressure's coming, and he continuously escaped Dallas pressure and was able to throw the ball away over and over. And even in plays where he was completely hung out to dry, he was still able to just fall to the ground and avoid a big hit or a potential turnover. So, no, the defense didn't impress me at all. This is an offense that lacks their best weapon with Saquon Barkley out with a severe knee injury. And to stop them is really tantamount to stopping a college offense. So, well, I, was I really wasn't that, impressed. That, that certain drive, like, were you just impressed? I know. No, with that drive specifically, no, I wasn't. Because the Giants are so bad. And Daniel Jones is so inept and scared that he, the, the reason why the Giants were never even able to get 20-plus points until this game against the Cowboys is because Jones is really scared and makes a lot of unforced errors, and he doesn't really have any sense of the game in terms of it's, it's very obviously also fast for him. It, he's still on college speed, so to say. Like, everything is just blistering by him, and it's very obvious, so... No, the fact that the Giants threw up all over themselves when it mattered doesn't impress me. I like how you say that, threw up all over themselves. <laughs> and that's what happened. It's, yeah. not like the Cow- it's not like the Cowboys came in, big staunch defensive stand with two big sacks and an inter- No, like, it was the Giants. They can they probably run plays. In- like, if the Giants ran a two-minute drill in practice against, like, a ghost defense, they'd probably screw it up about 20% of the time. That's how inept this offense is. So, yeah, the, and this is sort of what I said before the game, too, is the Cowboys were a team that even though they were really bad, their offense was better than the Giants, so they were going to be able to outshoot them. And that's literally exactly what happened. Okay, well, it's a good point because, you know, the fact that we couldn't get to Jones, we were blowing up coverage, you know, the defense being awful... I was just amazed that the defense was finally able to get a stop with less than two minutes in the game to give the Cowboys offense one more golden opportunity to win the game. And by God, the Cowboys did it because this final drive was amazing. Okay, This final drive puts any final drive that Dak has done to shame, honestly. I just want to I... say that <laughs> that deep ball that Andy Dalton threw... It was like, my God, it was like the allegory of the cave and seeing the light. I've been watching Dak miss that throw for five straight years. Over and over, constant mistakes. No improvement from college. If you compare his senior year college tape to his last week game tape, if he comes to that deep ball, he's terrible at it. And the defining play of that two-minute drill that won the Cowboys the game was this rainbow from Andy Dalton, a literal dime, not Danny Dimes, that joker in a Giants uniform. We're talking a real dime. And this was 
uh, just absolutely defining play. And if you compare it to all the other Cowboys two-minute drills of the last three years, the, the Cowboys, they do screens and out routes and like mid-range stuff and frequently will even throw routes over the middle where the guy will catch it and not even be able to get out of bounds and they'll have to burn a timeout and it's a huge waste because Dak doesn't have the ability to air it out deep. And the Red Rocket stepped in and absolutely nailed it. And if you're a Cowboy fan, hope that's a, it's not like when Tony Romo got hurt and John Kitnick came in and you looked around and were like, so football is not going to be worth watching for the rest of the season. Honestly, Andy Dalton's not that much worse than Dak. And potentially, if they mold the offense around them a little, the Cowboys could very easily still make the playoffs. You know, what's amazing is, you know, Andy Dalton, how he was able to get the Cowboys back in the game and win it, I think it was, it's like you said, it was rhythm. I think it was also veteran instinct, knowledge of the game. You know, he's a veteran. He's been here, you know, 10 years. He's been here in the NFL a very long time. And what's so amazing is, you know, after Dallas takes a time out after Amari, I mean, Amari Cooper finally had a, you know, a good game, a good play, you know, 15 yard catch. Cowboys take a timeout with 40 seconds to go, and then the next two plays, just you know, my heart was beating so loud because, you know, Michael Gallup has two cat, uh, two, his first catch, okay, and then and then the, it's under review. So you now you know why my heart was beating, right? Because it's under review because you know, like that. Because that first catch looked like like one foot was still in the air, even though he caught the ball in bounds, one foot touched, but the other one didn't. But then they showed the replay, like the first that foot that was in the air touched first. It just he just got it back up. So I was like, yep, that's a catch. So thankfully the refs make the right decision. They say the ruling off field stands. It's a first down. And then Dalton once again for 38 yards to Michael Gallup, and once again. The previous play is under further review, and then about two minutes later, the ruling on the field stands, first down. Michael Gallup, two clutch catches, both under the reviewed, and they were good. I mean, I knew, I, I had predicted, I, mean, I might not have said this on the preview, but I predicted Michael Gallup would be the guy that would make a great difference in this game. He did it, and he did it in the clutch moments, okay? Well, all three of the receivers sort of at the end of the game contributed in some way, but Cooper was really off all day and shut down, but CeeDee Lamb and Gallup really stepped up. But if you remember last week, one of the things that I really harped on was the importance of reestablishing the run game and not running a spread offense like it's Texas Tech. And Zeke Elliott really got to eat this week. And you can see the corresponding Cowboys victory. And that drive in the late game that worried Alex made me thrilled. Because when the Cowboys are thriving, that's the exact sort of drive that I, I sort of associate them with. It's a methodical, long, grinding drive with lots of running. You know, Zeke Elliott touched the ball a lot this week. He carried the ball 19 times. If you consider last week, he was rarely getting looks out of the backfield. And if it was, it was tepid draws and stuff that really didn't put him in a position to succeed so that's the takeaway for me the Cowboys understand how they're going to win and considering Dak got hurt maybe the offensive coordinator isn't going to try to air it out maybe he's really going to remember what got him there and that's running the ball although hilariously I think Andy Dalton actually has a better arm 
And if you were going to go for like a passing first style, or you were going to take the ball out of Zeke's hands, now would be the time. Like you would see what Andy Dalton has. Like if you were hell bent on, you know, doing this spread offense for whatever reason, then now is actually a better time than before. But obviously, I think that they should just stick to the ground and pound approach, as I've spoken about at length. It's unfortunate because Zeke Elliott has yet to have a 100-yard game. But in this game, yeah, he did eat 91 yards, you know, scored twice. And that was very uh, amazing to see. You know, Andy Dalton, you know, 9 for 11, 111 yards, you know. Very respectable. And, you know, a lot of people, if they're saying Andy, Andy Dalton could have done better, I mean, look. Yeah, he's the he's veteran, but, you know, when you come to a game unexpectedly, you know, it's you know it has some sort of effect, but but next for next week, you know, since he's gonna have the practice as the starter, I'm sure Andy Dalton's gonna do some great things because you know he's got the veteran instinct, he loves the game, and he's actually with a team with with plenty of talent around him, so I'm sure that he can do a lot of good things. But and C D Lamb, you know, I just point out, I, I believe this was C D Lamb's first 100 yard game. Yeah, C D is really starting to come into his own. Michael Gallup's continuing to do well and. Cowboys are proving even when Amari Cooper has an off night, they can succeed over the air, which is huge considering uh, the Red Rockets going to be the guy. So, okay. So as we get to this, okay, I need to know Wiley. In your honest opinion, how do you think Andy Dalton's going to fare out for the rest of the season? Is he going to make a positive impact, or? Yeah, I think it'll be about the same as Dak, and I think that he's a better passer. And, I mean, if he gets hurt, we're really screwed. But Pete Cowboys, I would say before this week, you're looking at about 9-7. and seven, And that's about what Red Rocket's going to give you. I actually think he has more upside than Prescott. Prescott's completely peaked. We know exactly what he is and what he brings to the table. And I think the most interesting thing about this injury, or at least the most impactful thing, is... I think if you were to just take an honest look at the season and say if Dak Prescott had not gotten hurt this week and he continued his streak of never getting hurt, how would the Cowboys have finished? And I think if you say a, an answer better than 7-9, and nine, you're crazy and you're a homer. Point being that Dak had stayed healthy, he would have sort of hung himself by his own rope, so to speak, or imploded. And he would have performed so poorly where the Cowboys wouldn't have felt obligated to want to sign him to a contract next year. Whereas now, it's this weird thing where he's seen as like a fallen hero and he wasn't good to begin with. And now he's coming off a severe injury, but they might give him a terrible contract anyway. So if you're a Cowboy fan who wanted Dak out, and even if you're the biggest Dak hater and you just loathe them, Seeing him get hurt was actually bad, even for the biggest stack hater, because he was probably going to have a crappy season record-wise. The Cowboys were going to have a losing record and miss the playoffs, and the Cowboys probably would have moved on. But instead, this is going to hang over the season, and if Red Rocket does well, then you're going to have that to consider. And It's just sort of a terrible week to be a Cowboys fan long-term. It is, and as far as Andy Dalton goes, I should mention to you uh, this, Wiley. He hasn't had a winning record as a starter since 2015. <laughs> but that that's, you know, that was in Cincinnati. He's in Dallas, so I'm pretty sure that'll change. And I don't see anything changing with the, with the Dallas, Dallas defense, you know. You know, 
Oh, they're horrible, I mean, and they're going to be horrible. Listen to this. Against the Steelers, you know, the Giants' offense scored 16 points. Against the Bears, 13 points. And in the last two weeks, against the 49ers and the Rams, only 9 points. And they come into Dallas, and they score 34 points. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's like Daniel Jones is this clueless kid who makes a lot of unforced errors and is just a sitting duck, as I've been describing for the last week. And what do the Cowboys do? They make him look like a decent quarterback. It's sickening. This is exactly how they lost to the Jets last year and Sam Darnold, is they put on performances like this where if the opposing team is just able to stay out of their own way, they're going to be able to beat the Cowboys. But it's the Giants. They couldn't stay out of their own way. And the Cowboys got a victory that is really weird because it really feels like outlook-wise the Cowboys should have Either no wins or one win. Yeah, you're right. But I gotta ask you: uh, after this season, where does Dak go from? Do you think Dak is is no longer gonna be in Dallas, or do you believe that he's gonna be able to uh, to agree to a reasonable deal and, and stay in Dallas? I honestly think that like it'll, it'll be a situation where he's viewed as damaged goods, and the Cowboys feel bad about it. And they probably won't have any better options because they'll win enough games to not have a super high draft pick. And they might just say, like, well, all right, Dak, well, we like you. You're tough, so we're going to get you for the reduced price that we offered you last year and pretend that we, like, feel good about it. And, I th- like, there's a pretty good chance that happens. That's what, actually, I would edge. But there's also a really good chance that he goes somewhere else. But I don't know. As a Cowboy fan, like... Any future where Dak Prescott's the quarterback is one that doesn't include a Super Bowl. So it's not that I dislike him as a person, but definitely would like to see him go to another team. Which brings me, uh, as we wrap this up, I got to ask, you know, because Prescott's gone, you know, the Cowboys need a backup quarterback. So I'm I'm thinking that I think tomorrow, I'd be be predicting either within the next 48 hours, the Cowboys are going to sign a quarterback off the street. Chad Henney. Okay, I'm looking at the free. Okay, I'm looking at these free agents. Yeah, these are a lot of guys I don't even. I've never even heard of except for. <laughs> they even have Eli Manning. Eli Manning is retired. He's not a free agent. Just Sean Kaiser, Cody Kessler, Tony Romo, JT Barrett. Okay. They should just have Tony Romo like have a clause where he can come in from the booth. It's like, yeah, Tony, like, if our quarterback gets hurt, you can just go ahead and swing in and put the pads on. You got this, buddy. We know you still got it. You're out there predicting all the plays. I don't think Tony. <laughs> I mean, I know we don't, I know that we would love to see Tony Romo again, but. Just have his mic live in the helmet the whole time. Hear, like, the Omahas and the swearing and all their glory. Well, actually, no, Chad Henney actually uh, is actually with Kansas City right now. Oh, really? Oh, wait, well. I'll trade the four. This is probably outdated, what I'm looking at. What are you reading, an article from 2014 and reporting it as recent news, Mike Francesa? No, I'm not that kind of guy. You know me. I know. Yeah, he's still with the Chiefs, yeah. Well, the Cowboys should trade a first and third round pick for him. He's that good. (laughs) All right, very, very funny. I mean, th- this is the same thing that you were saying years ago when the Cowboys should 
get Riley Cooper. I mean, are, are you gonna bring this? Shit up? Are you gonna bring this shit up again, Wiley? And we're, and we're talking about this on air. Well, I think that Riley Cooper as a coach could actually offer the Cowboys something, but Chad Henney, I think, would actually be a viable option. To me, what this game really comes down to, yes, the Cowboys narrowly defeated Jason Garrett in a game where multiple times they could have easily lost and that's really troubling if you're a Cowboy fan and you have to consider that even if Andy Dalton is just as good as Dak, Cowboys still probably were like an 8-8 eight and eight type team and this injury really has the most impact on like the contract situation and the Cowboys quarterback situation going forward because they were never going to win an NFC title game anyway this year so there's really no point in being like, yeah, like obviously I, I'm not happy Dak got hurt and it's tragic. Like I didn't like to see that, especially because I've already laid out that I think that he would have failed and not gotten re-signed if he was stayed healthy. So even if you're a Dak hater, you didn't want to see him go down if you look at it logically. But it, now it's sort of up in the air. Now it's going to depend on how good Dalton does. Hopefully, it would be really funny if Dalton led them on a tremendous run and they made it to the playoffs and maybe like squeaked out a couple undeserved wins and they just went with Dalton because the worst thing that could happen to this team is like a long-term investment in Dak. But frankly, the defense is horrifically bad and the offensive line is rapidly degrading, so this team doesn't even really have the potential to make a miracle run, I don't think. I think it's a very weak team. Well, I don't think I see any Dalton staying in Dallas very long. You know, the 32-year-old veteran, I mean... You're the Red Rocket. Well, if he, has Pull a, the clipboard. If, if he was able to have a hell of a year this year and the Cowboys make the playoffs, win a playoff game, then I say, you know what, give him a, give him a three-year deal. I think he's earned his way to, he's earned his right, he's earned the right to stay here. Well, I mean, it would certainly be better than seeing Dak again for like another four years because... Even if you're the biggest Dak apologist and you somehow are dumb enough to think that all the empty passing yards at the end of games and garbage time means something, you have to come to the logical conclusion that Dak really hasn't improved over his four years in Dallas. If you look at his rookie year numbers, how few interceptions he had, how patient he was, he's really regressed in a lot of ways and hasn't really improved in areas where he was weak. So I don't really understand how anyone could be on board with Dak long-term, regardless of the injury. Okay. Well, looks like we have covered everything. Is there anything else you want to say about the Cowboys game, Wiley? Well, I think the Cowboys are a very poor team. I think they're kind of on the precipice of entering a dark age, so to speak, where they could really lose a lot of games for a while if they invest in the wrong players. And to me, it's very troubling to see Dak go down. And I think that's the real takeaway. Like, if you're a Dak lover, if you literally think, like, he's the next Cowboy Troy Aikman and he's your guy, then you hated tonight. You hated to see him get hurt. And if you're the biggest Dak cater, a guy that thinks he's overrated and misses passes for no reason and people really like him because he gets garbage yards and overtime, you also hate this. Because he was probably going to just have a wretched season with one of the worst defenses ever this year. And that was going to be the Cowboys' excuse not to re-sign him. So, tragic week for the Cowboys. 
Yeah, but basically it's a win, but then some people say, but at what cost? You know. Yeah. Well, folks, we've covered all the bases for tonight. I'd like to remind each and every one of you that Cowboys Talk is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. And I have an, a special announcement to make. The Bear of Texas podcast now has a third show. So if any of you loyal listeners are video game nerds, Rage Quit will be the show for you. And I'm happy to report to you that Wiley, a.k.a. The Ven Mystere, my guest here today, will be on that show. And you will hear Wiley's opinion in the world of video games. Wiley, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I can't wait to have you on again, buddy. Easy. Easy. Good night, everybody.